Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joan. On today's episode, we're going to discuss Disneyland from a Disney Worlders perspective. So if you're somebody that's used to just going to Disney World, but it's your first time over at Disneyland, kind of what to expect in terms of differences. Uh, it's not the same. It's, it's quite a different experience over in Disneyland if you're just used to Disney World. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's just enough alike that it seems familiar, but just enough different that it makes your trip worth it for sure. For sure. But before we get into that, let's cover the Disney news of the week. So going internationally, Disney announced over at Tokyo Disney Sea the new Fantasy Springs expansion over there. We got some additional information about the lands. We got the names of the rides. So this is all going to be opening up in 2024. So there's going to be four new rides over there. So it's a pretty big expansion. So we're going to get Rapunzel's Lantern Festival, uh, Anna and Elsa's Frozen Journey, uh, and then the Peter Pan land has two rides. So you're going to going to get Peter Pan's Neverland Adventure and Tinkerbell's Busy Buggies. Uh, and then with that, there's going to be a couple restaurants. Uh, one of them's actually going to be in Arendelle. It's called the Royal Banquet of Arendelle. And uh, Oaken's going to have a quick service restaurant over there. Plus, they're going to have the Snuggly Duckling over in the Tangled area. And then they're building a whole new Fantasy Springs Hotel, which I think is going to be similar to the Hotel Mary Costa that's going to overlook the park um, from that area I'm pretty sure but it's a new like upscale hotel it's all very exciting I mean Tokyo Disney Sea Tokyo Disney in general does things like next level so I'm super excited about all of these lands um, and I think it's all going to be really really well done yeah absolutely I mean it's kind of funny after we went the last time I'm like eh, I mean I love Disney but I'm like I don't know if when I need to go back and then as soon as I was seeing these announcements coming out I'm like well can we make it for 2024 and Joe's like that's that's like literally next year I don't I don't think so yeah I mean it's gonna be there for a long time so I'm not sure we didn't get a specific opening date on this but it will be 2024 um, but yeah I think this uh, you know coupled with the new Beauty and the Beast expansion that they had a few years ago definitely gonna be worth revisiting Tokyo Disney in the near future here. And then over on the cruise ship side of things, the, the Disney Treasure is going to be announced soon. We're going to get more details about that. But I guess they sent out some packets to media members because uh, Carly Wiesel posted on her Instagram about this package that she got that hinted at things like Spaceship Earth, maybe Haunted Mansion being on the Disney Treasure. There was a whole treasure map. I, I got to say... It'll be interesting to see what ultimately ends up being on this ship. Like if something Haunted Mansion is on it, that would be, I think, pretty great. But I will say I wasn't really excited for the unveiling of this ship um, until I kind of saw her starting to go crazy over speculating what's going to be on the ship, what's not going to be on it. So kudos to Disney because their kind of marketing idea here to get people excited about this work because before I was like, whatever, when they announce the ship, what's on it, they announce it. Um, but now I'm hyped, I got to say, so... I'm excited about the ship. I mean, I think that they did such a good job with the wish. I've only heard good things about it so much so that I think we're going to maybe have to go on that pretty soon. But yeah, like, so I'm excited to see what they're able to do with this new cruise ship. I mean, do you think Haunted Mansion's going to be on it though? Like, do you think they're going to have something Haunted Mansion or Spaceship Earth? I don't get how Spaceship Earth's going to be on there. Haunted Mansion, you could definitely do as like a bar or something like that, which I think would be pretty incredible. That would be amazing. I mean, maybe it will be a bar. I think that that would be a lot of fun. Um, I think that a lot of the really big fans of the Haunted Mansion are adults. So I think that that would be a really good fit. So I, I like 
like that speculation that you just came up with right there. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they're, they're going to be announcing it August 30th. It's kind of like the live stream unveiling of more details on the ship. So uh, we'll, we'll see what's on there whenever that gets revealed. But again, I really wasn't that excited about it. And then this comes out and I'm like, now nah, I'm hyped. No, I'm, I'm so hyped about it. So again, I think it worked well. And then I did want to mention one of the sponsors of the show, Magic Candle Company, I saw has a new fragrance out. It's churro flavored. This sounds amazing. And it's perfect for the fall too, because you know, like that cinnamon scent. It's like that pumpkin um, nice, spice. Nice like warm scent whenever it gets colder outside. So yeah, I think that that would be a really good, I think that maybe might be the most appealing scent that they have to like just by sound to me yeah so if you're interested in sure or any other of the theme park flavors so they have candles they have room scents all that sort of stuff head over to magiccandlecompany.com and you can get 15 percent off your order with code enchanted we'll put a link in the description as well if you're interested all right so let's get into our main topic here so we got a question uh, from a listener and if you have a question you can uh, ask us on instagram or enchanted ears podcast or over on our website enchantedears.com slash podcast question um, but this question came from Elizabeth H. Uh, and she was asking about going to Disneyland. And she said, my family is a longtime world fan planning our first land trip. I'm curious, any thoughts on staying off property hotels, getting to the parks in the morning through the city or at night walking back differences in the ticketing systems or genie plus how to purchase a park hopper for only one day of your trip and not the whole trip tips on catching the nighttime shows or or rope dropping. The rides are fun, but I'm curious about the logistics of the two very different places. Uh, Thank you in advance for any advice you can give. So I think this is a a great question. And, you know, we are both Disney worlders, I think is our home park. That's definitely the park we go to the most. We've been to Disneyland a few times now, but I do think this is a really good question because if you're somebody that typically goes to Walt Disney World all of the time, going to Disneyland, there are some differences. Like you said at the beginning of the show, they're, they're similar in some ways, but they are very different in some ways as well. And I think if you go into it expecting Disney World, you're going to be disappointed. So I think it's a, it's a good thing to talk about of like what expectations should you have how do you have to kind of plan the trip going to Disney World versus Disneyland? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing for me is just tempering your expectations. And I don't even mean that as Disneyland is an inferior park because it's not. Um, but I think that the first time we went to Disneyland, I came back thinking, oh my gosh, Disney World is so much better. So my first piece of advice for that is just there's certain things like the castle, for example. That's Walt's castle. He It was the original one that he built. Um, obviously, you know, back in 19, in the 1950s, whenever Disneyland was built, um, the grandeur of things was a little bit different than it was when Disney world was built. So the castle is far smaller than the Disney world castle. So first of all, like whenever you get there, I think a lot of Disney worlders are like, Oh my gosh, like that, that little thing is the castle. And so I think that you got to kind of like put on, I don't want to say put on your blinders, but you have to respect the fact that that historically is the original one. And also the fact that that kind of like set the stage for the Disney world castle and not to let that kind of like put a bad taste in your mouth. Cause it is, it is a great castle in and of itself. You can go in it. Like there's, there's some cool stuff about it. Yeah. So I think that the overall size of the park, so kind of like what you're getting to the castle smaller, 
I think even just Disneyland itself is kind of smaller and a more like intimate park. Like things are closer together. It's very similar to the Magic Kingdom, mm-hmm. but not as spread out as the Magic Kingdom. And so I, you know, we'll we'll do our best to kind of answer all of Elizabeth's questions here. Um, but but kind of to your point on expectations, I think that's a smart place to start with. And I think that kind of goes into when you're planning the trip. Obviously, there's only two parks there. Disney World has four parks. So I don't think you need as many days. So I think a lot of people, you go into Walt Disney World. Again, logistically, it's four parks. Things are very spread out. It takes a lot of time to get from one park to another park. So you need time. You need you know, probably four plus days if you want to visit all of the parks, if you want to go to the water parks. And you might want to build in rest days too because, again, it's going to take you a lot of time to travel everywhere to see all the nighttime shows. Whereas Disneyland, there's two parks. Park hopping makes so much more sense there. You know, if you're not somebody that park hops at Walt Disney World and you're going to Disneyland, you might think, oh, I don't need park hopping tickets. I'll just get, you know, one park tickets like I do at Walt Disney World. I think you have to go park hopping at Disneyland because they're literally right across the street from each other. You can easily walk between parks. And Disney California Adventure, I don't think has enough to really keep you busy the whole day. I think if you go there, you're probably going to want to go back and forth. So I think those are some things to keep in mind where, again, Disney World, you're going to need four plus days. I think Disneyland, two to three days is probably like the sweet spot in terms of time because that gives you kind of like one day in each park and then a third day to really like hit the highlights again between both of them. I agree. Um, I think that two is maybe a little bit light just in case it is crowded. I mean, there were, but times... you could do it in two. I think if, if, yeah, if you yeah, only yeah. had two days, I think you could. Oh do yeah. It if two. you only had two, you could do it. But I'm saying like, if, if you don't want to be rushed, you don't want to put a lot of pressure. If you're coming from Eastern United States and that's kind of a longer flight, like those are all things to keep in mind. So I think like the three days is really like the sweet spot because again, like you were saying, it's a highlight reel kind of thing where you you can kind of focus your attentions on one park one day more and the other park the other day um, a little bit more. And of course, you can park hop back and forth, but then that third day can be um, you know, going and getting to do things maybe that you didn't get to do or things again that you did get to do and you really enjoyed because again, you know, as you know, there are different rides. Um, some of the rides are different. So you might say, oh, well, you know, because I can't ride Indiana Jones over in Disney World, I might I want to go back and I want to ride um, Indiana Jones again on that third day. Yeah, and I want to talk about park hopping here uh, for another second because Elizabeth did ask about you know just getting park hopping for one day uh, of your ticket versus all of the days, and that's not something you can do. So there's no way to say buy a three day ticket and say I only want to buy a park hopper for one day. So if you wanted to do it for say three days, you would basically have to buy like a two day multi day ticket. And then a one-day ticket with park hopping. But that's not really financially. It doesn't make sense because Disney tickets basically work. It's cheaper the more days that you buy the ticket for. And also, I think you're going to want to park hop because we talked about it's so easy. The parks are so close. Um, So, for instance, if you bought just a one-day ticket to Disneyland, um, they are running some specials. So, there are days out there where you can get it as low as $104. But that is only on certain days. Most days it costs more than that. But like, let's say you could get it for $104 to add park hopping for that one day is $65. So you're talking $169 for just the one day to park hop. Now, if you got a three day ticket, it's $120 a day. 
but then park hopping is only $60 to add on for all three days total. So you're really, that works out to $140 a day. So you're, if you're going to buy a multi-day ticket, you're going to be paying you know that around $120 anyways, so that for 20 bucks more a day to add that on, it makes a lot of sense, I think, just to do that. And I think you're going to be glad that you have the ability to park hop on all three days, even if you maybe don't use it every single day. Okay, that makes sense because I, I was like very confused whenever because you said $120 and then you're adding 60 for all the days. But if you you take that $60 and divide it up and add it to each of the three days, then it's $140 a day. A day, exactly. Okay, yeah, versus yeah. yeah, adding adding $65 just for one day. Yeah, so. I think it does kind of then make sense to just sort of have it for every day and then you can, you know, hop over and ride Guardians of the Galaxy if you want to and it's not really going to be that much less cost effective yeah and if you're planning on using genie plus being able to use it in both parks i think is going to help you get more bang for your buck like we used genie plus one day at our last trip at disneyland and i think we got like 10 or 12 attractions in it because we went back and forth both parks because it gives you you know a lot more uh, opportunity and availability being able to go to both parks and you know genie plus it works very similar to walt disney world the nice thing about genie plus though in disneyland is that it includes photo pass photos i don't know why it doesn't do that at walt disney world but it's basically the same price kind of works the same way but you do get photo pass photos in there as well um so that that is one difference you know the like the website and the app like booking your tickets doing advanced dining reservations, all that stuff's the same. So if you're used to that at Walt Disney World, it's a very similar experience over at Disneyland. The one thing about Disneyland that Disney World does not really have a whole lot of, I mean, it's very rare, is that Disneyland has more single rider lines. So for some of the more popular rides, like um, Cars uh, usually has one, there is a single rider line. So I don't really know how old your family, members in your family are, but if you are willing to ride and you know, it's a really crowded day or whatever, and you're willing to ride separately, that is also an option that is different than Genie Plus. Yeah, that's a good point. But between Genie Plus, single router lines, you, you can get through um, a good bit over at Disneyland because, yeah, Walt Disney World doesn't have a ton of attractions with single router lines. Um, kind of the last couple of things just in terms of like planning things. So flying into California, there's a, a few different airports you can pick from. Definitely try to pick one that is close to Disneyland. So John Wayne is actually the closest. Long Beach is another one that's not too far away. You know, I think we try to avoid LAX just because it's a huge international airport. Um, you could fly into there. That's not too far away, but that might be something you want to avoid. Burbank also isn't bad, but it's very far away. So that's actually closer to Universal Studios. It's about 45 minutes to an hour without traffic. With traffic, it's like an hour and a half yeah. um, getting to Disneyland from the Burbank airport. So I would try to avoid that one and probably LAX if you can and try to do like a John Wayne. Again, John Wayne Airport's like 15 minutes away. That's probably your best bet if you can do that. Again, it's not like Orlando where there's basically you fly into Orlando and every Uber, every shuttle goes from Orlando International Airport down to, to Disney World, no problem. There are some shuttles from some of the airports that are, again, that are closer that go to Disneyland, but like from Burbank, there's not. You could get an Uber, but again, sometimes it's a little bit difficult if you're trying to go through rush hour. A lot of those Uber drivers do not want to sit in an hour and a half wait yeah, going from them. Burbank to Disneyland or vice versa. So just kind of keep that in mind. But staying off site, 
makes a lot more sense. You know, definitely don't be afraid of staying off site. We've never actually stayed on Disney property when we've gone to Disneyland. We've always stayed at the off site hotels. Yep. And that's really because the Disneyland hotels that they have there, there are uh, the Grand Californian, you have the Disneyland Hotel, and then you have the Paradise Pier. I guess it's, it's rethemed now to Pixar Pier Hotel, but they're all very expensive because yes. those are the only hotels there. Uh, they're definitely more upscale, so they're going to cost you more. But Disneyland basically sits in the middle of a city. It, again, yeah. it's it's unlike anything it you've seen. It is not cloistered away yeah. like Disney World is. You know, Disney World, Walt didn't love the fact that um, in Disneyland that he really was kind of like plopped in the middle of a city. So he wanted to acquire all of that space. And well, there wasn't able- a city there when he started. Well, the right, city right, came right. Up around him. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But he wanted to, you know, have all of that so he can make like an insular kind of community for himself. Um, whereas Disneyland is, is not like that. So it is a lot more easy to stay in a hotel that is not Disney related. Yeah. There's, there's no Disney bubble, quote unquote, Disney bubble yeah. at Disneyland. There's, there's Disneyland and then Anaheim butts up right next to it. So there's tons of hotels nearby, restaurants mm-hmm. nearby, convenience stores, um, which is nice because if you need something, again, you don't have to eat every meal at Disneyland. If you forget something, there's a convenience store right there. You know, at Disney world, if you kind of forget something, it's not like it's easy to go to a store or go to a restaurant kind of off, off-site, off-property. It's very easy to do that at Disneyland. If you're looking for a hotel and you know there's a lot of hotels within you know say a mile, which it's an, it's an easy walk. Um, you know again, it's, it's kind of it's like any town. I mean I, I don't fe- I don't think we've ever had an issue. I've never felt unsafe. Walking from a hotel no. to Disney back There's and forth. There's a lot of people walking back and forth yeah, to, right. to the parks. So it's not like you're going to be the only one that's a non-local um, walking there. So Yeah, and it's like, again, it's it's kind of common sense. Like if you're walking anywhere at night or someplace you're unfamiliar with, just kind of be aware of your surroundings. But I wouldn't say, you know, it's not like you're walking in New York City or anything like that, you know, Times Square where there's that many people. It definitely feels safe. Like you said, there are a lot of people doing the same thing you're doing. So I think, you know, going early in the morning, walking back late at night, um, definitely everything's well lit. I think you're good if you stay nearby. If you don't want to walk too far, if you're looking at the map, the entrance to Disneyland is in the middle of the two parks. So if you're looking at the map, you have uh, Disneyland to the north, Disney California Adventure to the south. Right in the middle of that is actually where the security is and where the turnstiles are that you'd walk in at. So if if you want to find a hotel near there, look to the middle and either look to like the right or the left of that because that's going to be your shortest distance. So we actually stayed... Um, I can't remember the name of the hotel. It was like a Marriott brand or something like that. That's kind of uh, right in a shopping center, uh, you know, kind of plaza right across from the middle of the parks, which was maybe a quarter of a mile walk. We've also stayed kind of south of DCA by the Anaheim Convention Center. That's about a mile walk, which isn't bad either. So both of those are kind of good places to look at. But again, that's how you can kind of judge maybe how far away you're going to have to walk every day. You can definitely get some very close and even a mile walk's not too bad. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just because you're not staying at the Disneyland hotels, if you choose not to do that, you can still go eat there. The Grand Californian had a great restaurant that we had the opportunity to eat at last time. So if you're looking for a nice sit down meal and, um, you know, you want some really good food, 
I would really recommend that place. It was really good. Yeah, the hotels are right next to the park. So again, they're not a long walk away. Also, a lot of the hotels in the area do offer shuttles to and from the parks. You know, just check online with the hotel or, you know, there, there's websites online that will list out which hotels offer shuttles. So again, if if you don't want to walk at all. Or if you're going with somebody who has difficulty with walking, then maybe, you know, you can check that out. Yeah, if that's something you're interested in, yeah, getting a shuttle. There, there are a lot of those as well. A lot of hotels offer, you know, complimentary shuttles. But, but overall, I mean, just kind of being there, you mentioned it at the beginning, you really feel the history of being there. I also feel like the days, the park days are a lot more relaxed. Again, I think because there's only two parks, you don't feel as rushed that you have to do everything everything's a little bit closer. It's easier to get to. I I even feel like I said this on our last trip, even when we were eating, I felt like they didn't rush us through the restaurants like like they do at Walt Disney World sometimes where they're trying to turn the tables over so quick. You kind of get that feeling that they're they're trying to get rid of you. It, It just felt more casual over at Disneyland. Well, you get the sense when you're there that a lot of the people that are visiting the park, they're not coming from around the world to they're mostly locals there. yeah. there's a lot of locals there so i feel like that the park in general has a lot more of a laid-back feel um it is not as yeah like as rushed or anything um i think that it's more like hey we have an annual pass we're bringing our kids and i mean there are people that aren't from there but it's just not it's not like disney world it's a little bit different and definitely do some of the tours there i mean disney world has a lot of tours that we've talked about but again disneyland the tours are much more steeped in the history of Walt and of building the park. So if you're somebody that is a fan of Disney or Walt Disney or the parks, you're definitely going to get a really good appreciation for the history that went into it uh, on those tours. There's actually one that actually takes you into Walt's apartment, um, which, which is great. And something, again, if you're a fan of Walt Disney, you know, he actually stayed in the park. Um, so to be able to go in the apartment he stayed, that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, it is. What was the name of that Um tour that we did the last time we did the disney 100 tour which is a special one i'm not sure how long they're going to run that but that's for the 100 years of the company that kind of goes through the history as well so i thought that that was a really cool tour because not only did we get a lot of the history of the company but also we got a really nice viewing uh area for the The magic happens parade yeah Yeah, because they you know as soon as you walk in the park there's kind of like this disney world has something similar there's like a central hub where there is some plants well it's you're talking about right across when you walk in right across the train station station, yeah right across from the train station yeah so but anyway they they section that off for the magic happens parade and people who do the tour get to go in there so we were sitting like we were standing behind the people that were sitting on the curb so we were right there and that's when we had the opportunity to see like Corella DeVille come up with the the Disneyland band and everything just like passed right by us it was really really nice to you know just like a little extra thing if you wanted to do something a little extra obviously it's not you don't have to but it is just a fun thing to do. Yeah, definitely. I, I would recommend any of the tours there. Again, if you're a fan of Disney history, but you're right that Disney 100 tour, it's a limited time one, but that was nice to get that kind of VIP viewing. We also got to do uh, a drawing at the experience at the animation Academy, but we had time yeah. before the show with the animator to kind yeah. of talk and ask them questions. So you're in a small group. So if you ever wanted to ask one of those Disney animators questions, you have, you know, 15 minutes or so um, to kind of go through and ask them some questions. So talking about the the nighttime show. So we've, we've talked about 
you know, planning your trip, again, kind of just in general, planning is very similar to planning Walt Disney World. Disneyland has an app that works very similar to the Disney World app. Buying the tickets is very similar. Booking your, your restaurant reservations, all that sort of stuff similar. You know, Genie Plus is, is kind of the same idea. Um, being there is a little bit different. The, the nighttime shows, too, are, are different. So over at Disney California Adventure, you have World of Color. There is a virtual queue option. So at Disney World, there's no none of their nighttime shows have virtual queues to kind of get you preferred seating. World of Color has this. It opens at noon um, every day. And if you have a park hopper, you can uh, get in the virtual queue at noon. Doesn't matter what park you start at that day. And then you get preferred uh, viewing, which is nice. You can, you know, don't have to be there as early. The only downside I will say this is I don't know if it's a benefit um, <laughs> Depends on or the a day. curse or a curse to get the preferred viewing, but you will get wet if you stay close. And and when you say like you will get wet, you're thinking, <laughs> oh, is it like Pirates of the Caribbean? Like I may get wet a little bit splash. No, it's going to feel like it's raining on you if you stand up close to World of Color. I will say, I feel like that day we also got a lot of blowback, like the wind was coming our way, but yeah. I mean, you're, was... you're going to get wet no matter what though. It's kind yes, of like, it's yes. kind of like Waterworld at Universal. If you sit in the, you know, you you will get wet if you sit in the wet zone and how they come out and they literally throw buckets of water or spray you with a hose. If you're not getting wet enough, yeah. it's kind of like that world of color. There's signs up there that say, you know, this is an area you will get wet in. Heed those signs. If you want to stay dry, don't go in there. It's not one of those things like, ah, maybe some water comes this way. You're going to get wet. It's great though. I mean, you get a great view of world of color, Oh yeah. but there's trade-offs and everything. Yeah. If you are averse, like if you do not want to get wet, it's going to be cold. Um, either don't sit there or wear a poncho or wear a thick suit coat or something. Yeah. Poncho or rain <laughs> jacket is a, is a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's just yeah, it it's important. Um, I know when when I did it, um, I was wearing it was kind of chilly that night, and I you had bought a spirit jersey, and instead of wearing the spirit jersey because I knew it was going to get soaked, I tucked it in my pants behind me, so I would take the brunt of it because you know like skin not is waterproof. So and then after the fact, I threw it on over top to keep me warm. Yeah, I think you know World of Color is just Disney's ploy to sell more jackets March. and stuff yeah yeah because that's what we did we, we bought a spirit jersey to have something dry after we didn't the feel fact. like walking back to the hotel yeah but i i will say i mean you can um there, there is still good viewing behind kind of the, the wet zone as well but that's one thing to know if you want to see world of color you want to make sure you have good viewing get in line for the virtual queue at noon it you know works just like every other virtual queue you go in the app at noon you can jump in and then you can get in there the Back over ponchos <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Over at Disneyland, they have a uh, castle show as well. A couple things to note there is, one, they don't have fireworks every day. So kind of look at the schedule because some days um, they do not run the fireworks due to weather and also just due to because they are so close to the city. There are kind of like noise ordinances. So I don't think they can uh, have fireworks every day, but also with like if they're if it's windy or something like that, they're not going to go uh, with fireworks. So so kind of keep a, an eye out for that. But the other thing, and with the castle being smaller, it's difficult to see the projections on the castle if you're too far back. So you know at at Disney World, we talked about this last time we went where we found a really prime spot 
where at the end of Main Street. Yeah, where they you know they tape down and they keep a path open, and so we kind of stood right behind that tape, and they don't let anybody walk on that path during the show, so there's nobody standing in front of you. At Disneyland, if you're that far back, if you're kind of at the end of Main Street, it's going to be really hard to see the castle. And I don't yes. think they kind of... I think they let people walk on those paths too during the whole show. So you're still going to always have people walking in front of you. So at, at Disneyland, you definitely don't want to be that far back. And there's also a lot of trees, you know, that are kind of... Be- bigger I almost they're not huge but again the, the castle's not huge either so well, and the hub's kind of smaller so I think those trees all kind of crowd in as well yeah so yeah. they kind of encroach on your view so again you just want to probably try to be there early to get better viewing if you want to be able to see the projections I know where we were like we had decent like viewing of it but I still kind of struggled sometimes to make out what the projections were so it just it is it was just it's just different. That's yeah, all. yeah. You want so you you want to definitely try to be closer um, to the castle if you want to have a a really good view. Whereas again, at Walt Disney World, you can be a little bit further back. So so those are a couple of things to keep in mind in terms of the nighttime shows and kind of tips to have the best viewing experience. But I think that kind of wraps up. I think we try to answer uh, as many as Elizabeth's questions as we could and kind of, you know, give all of our listeners, if you're, if you're somebody that goes to Walt Disney world a lot, which I think most Disney people, I think Walt Disney world is definitely the park people go to the most. So if you haven't gone to Disneyland before and you're maybe planning, you know, your first trip, there or you know it's it's maybe been a while and you go to Walt Disney World and you know you're not used to what to expect that's kind of I think the main things to keep in mind when when you're planning how to set your expectations you know and kind of what to look out for so that you have kind of the best experience possible uh, at your trip to Disneyland yeah I think the only thing that we might have missed is just the rope dropping tips which my biggest thing would be you know no have a list of what you want to ride I mean there are I think that like Disneyland is very similar to Disney World in that, you know, there are a select group of people that want to get up early and do that, but the parks are a lot easier to like you can get in lines and and everything. So have a list of like, hey, I want to ride Indiana Jones um, because we don't have that. I want to ride in Credit Coaster, and so and then go to those rides first. I wouldn't say that there's anything at Disneyland that I'm like, oh, you have to go to do this right away because the line gets to be like four or five hours long, like you might have sometimes at Disney World. So just sort of, you know, prioritize what you want to ride if you're going to be rope dropping and just go to those rides and maybe, maybe figure out which ones are close together and then you can kind of map it out just like you can do a Magic Kingdom where you can hit like Haunted Mansion yeah, Pirates and stuff like that. Definitely. And rope dropping works, again, very similar to how it does at Walt Disney World, but that's a good point. There's nothing like Flight of Passage or right. they do have Rise of the Resistance, so I mean that's going to be a longer line, but not like Flight of Passage where... Yeah, it's it's like two, three hours a day. Radiator Springs Racers can have a long line, but again, that's one with a single rider line. So I think that helps uh, somewhat at, at Disneyland where some of those attractions that may have longer lines, you do have options with single rider lines. Or again, Genie Plus, I think you can get you know a good bit of attractions in with genie plus over there but want to thank um elizabeth again for her question yeah, again thank if you. any of our other listeners have questions uh, like i said enchanted ears podcast over on instagram or enchanted slash podcast question uh, you can send it over there on our website so i want to thank everybody again for listening this week if you've not done so please leave us a rating or a review subscribe wherever you get your podcast it really helps and we really appreciate it thanks for lending us your ears have a great week everybody and we'll see you here next monday bye-bye